Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and the upcoming comic Three Protectors. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Milisanda for the Accidental Aliens. Yeah! Here we are with this new lower buffer world. Isn't it an exciting world to be in? And, uh, and as you can see, my voice is better. It actually progressively got better last weekend in Portland. I will obviously have some discussion about Rose City Comic Con. That's going to be one of my big things. But, uh, but we know how this works. Um, I gave the intro, which means uh, you get to set it off, man. So what was your first thing this week? I have a ton of stuff. How much stuff do you got? I have essentially two things. Okay. Two things. All right. So I'll group a lot of stuff here. Let me look. Um, okay. That looks like that all belongs to the main topic of the day. So I will skip those. Uh, okay. You, so, you, yeah. You carry it these next 45 seconds. I'm going to eat this caramel. <laughs> Do it. Uh, okay. So number one, Eddie Nunez has come back with the Kickstarter exclusive cover. That thing is done. It is in the bag and it's already colored. Joaquin... Pereira, my my colorist for the second shift, and pretty much a ton of my projects. Anything I do really is usually through Joaquin for coloring. Uh, minus Emily uh, Rocha doing the Wanders and Melisande covers, the painted covers. Uh, Joaquin takes care of everything else, so he's already banged out the colors for that cover. It looks super badass. Uh, big fan, and uh, I'm actually going to be doing a couple of different versions of it. I'm going to do the colored version, and so all the Kickstarter backers will be getting that colored version but as an add-on i'm actually going to do a print run a small print run of 50 black and white so if people are interested in just eddie's art and just want to see that art itself that will also be available as like a, a add-on situation so uh yeah. yeah so that's that's number one that's a, a super fun um i was doing the cover treatment for that i was adding the logos the you know, Second Shift, Accidental Aliens, uh, One Shot, you know, having our names there, just kind of like seeing how the, the formatting on the cover looked. And so I was doing that last night and a little bit uh, today uh, before nice. we got on the air here. Nice, man. I mean, a long time coming, right? Like that's been a thorn in your side as the final deliverable for your last Kickstarter. So uh, I'm glad that you have it. I'm glad it's time to run that bad boy to print and uh, give some backers their their shit. So, yeah, man, pretty exciting. Yeah, it was, honestly, it was kind of confusing because I was also doing the cover treatment for issue 10. And then, so I was I was doing Eddie's cover and I kept putting 10 on it. And I'm like, why does this look weird? And I'm like, oh, no, this is the wrong cover. And then, because something else I do, I, I don't know that I've talked about it on the air, is um, I love the old school Dark Horse, like, mini series in the top left corner as opposed to just a running number uh the legacy number they had of uh one of one you know one of one of four two four three four etc mm -hmm. so i like doing that with my storylines so issue 10 is actually part two of a two-part story yeah and i had that on the issue 11 eddie's cover and i was like Th yeah this isn't right why is it not right and i realized <laughs> oh i'm i'm working on the wrong thing here so after yeah. a you know a couple of adjustments everything got taken care of yeah man i hear you i hear you did you want to lump some other things together or was that were you going to go with that yeah and and then so on top of that um i contacted my printer and let him know hey it's finally done you know uh four months later we we got it 
And uh, he's just like, okay, just let me know. And I was like, do you need me to attach the new cover to the to the guts of the previous issue? Or can you just swap out the covers? And he said, I should be able to do it if I can, I'll let you know. So Sweet. Uh, my con- so yeah, all I have to do is actually when we get off the air here, I'm gonna email those over to him and then uh, get the ball rolling on that and hopefully have them back within a couple of weeks here. I don't know what his schedule looks like, so I'm gonna ask him about that, but hopefully he can get it done in, in a pretty quick manner. He's pretty fast in general, so the hope is uh, he'll get a fast turnaround on that. I can get it hopefully before October and then start sending him out the first week of October. Nice, nice. And before you um, lump a few things together, I just realized I do have a third thing. So if you want to uh, segregate one or you know whatever you need. Um, to yeah, so that'll do it for my first one. And I have two other ones. Um, honestly, those might even be good together. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, okay. All right, so that's my first thing, man. What do you got going on? Okay, so I, in the, I'm going to do the dropped-in one right now because you, I'm, I'm going to try to kind of vibe in your space for the moment. Um, since you mentioned the uh, you know sending stuff off to the printer, that reminded me that right before. So I, I'm going to talk about Rose City the, on the next uh, time through here. But this time through, I want to mention that I got my final product for my Kickstarter like the day before Rose City. And so those are a few things, right? I was actually waiting on three separate things that all, I mean, one of them came in a couple days before, but the other came in like the day before. So I didn't even have a chance to send it out to the backers yet. Oh, I forgot to mention on the last episode, man, I got my, my copy, the Kickstarter copy of Kadoja volume three. So thank you very much. I'm looking forward to that. I actually want to go because it's been a while since I read the first volume. I want to go back and I want to read all three uh, back to back to back. So Hell yeah, man. Yeah, but that cover is super badass. Thanks for sending that through. Hey, man, thank you for backing the Kickstarter. You know what I mean? I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, hey, and speaking of exchanging Kickstarter stuff, didn't I get the Eddie Nunez cover? I think I did. You did. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I got my shit. And one of the things I got was the comics from the, the printer you recommended to me for this. Love them. Think they look great. And, uh, and, and I'm ready to turn those around and, and mail them to, to some people. So that was thing number one. And then the other thing is that I got the, the high-end stuff. I, I did a package. Uh, my highest tier, actually my second highest tier, was something called the gallery tier. So uh, Kadoja had three covers. One of them was called the Gallery Edition. It was a based on a piece of art made spe- uh, specifically for this by Lance Pilgrim. And uh, it's bright. It's colorful. It's actually like a, <clears throat> I guess, a, oh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a collage of, uh, of some art that's actually all over volume three of Kadoja. And uh, just amazing, bright colored stuff. So uh, we also did an action figure box for Kadoja that that's in that design and nice. we did a uh, limited print super limited we ran 15 of them actually 15 boxes and 15 prints because that was the minimum and so i'm sending a few of those out to kickstarters uh, to, to backers and then i'm gonna have the rest and i'm just gonna sell them at conventions and uh i busted open the the prints last night and i you know i rolled up rolled them up and, and put them in the tubes for the backers and stuff and my god man they look so great because uh the printer like i just let lance drive that and i was like here i, I have the kickstarter money just when you order them let me know and I'll, I'll venmo you the the money so he handled all this stuff dude they're matte they're matte print so they're just this really i mean the color explodes off of these things and i think they're 18 by 24 if i remember right maybe 16 maybe 16 by 22 but they are 
fantastic. I was so excited to see them. Uh, I'm going to be excited to share the leftovers, you know. Um, Paul put put a few on the website, have some at shows. They're not going to be cheap, but uh, I think they're worth it. And only 15 of them exist and will exist ever. So, uh, man, I was just really excited when I took that out. I didn't expect to love it as much as I did when I got it. So, anyway... The segue into that is um, I'm going to make probably a final run to the post office tomorrow for the last couple backers that are waiting on that. It's still mid-September, so everybody gets their stuff on time, so I feel great about that. And then uh, we, we just roll on. Then, uh, then I'll probably send out one final thank you, you know, to, to touch base on a previous thing. I think that was that will be a grand total of seven, maybe eight updates for my Kickstarter, which, of course, pale in comparison to some of the ones that we have backed. Although, yeah, yeah, yeah so anyway, uh, but yeah, so exciting, uh, ready to kind of close the book on this Kickstarter and uh, to quote Drake, see what's about to happen next. Nice, man. That's awesome. Uh, let's see here. Hey, should we uh, do it? Let's do a beer check real quick. Yeah, what you got? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the last time we spoke, you and I both came back from vacations. My vacation was in Brago Springs, which is about an hour and forty away from where I live. Uh, at the end, at the end of the vacation, we had a shitload of food and a shitload of beer left, and so we did, basically did a beer swap. So whatever we brought, we didn't take back with us. We talked, uh, took back other people's things so mm-hmm. one of the things so last week it was the best there is the best there was the best there ever will be that that uh bootleg bret hart beer which was amazing and today is um brow with brow riff, uh west pop fuji i can't even pronounce b-r-o-u-w-e-r-i-j west pop fuji that's so, a mouthful uh, yeah. Yes, sir. So here's the can. So you could see the can. Yeah. There. Okay. And it's pretty good. It's a Pilsner. Um, it's not too shabby. Uh, I don't mind it. It's uh, look at what's the percentage here. But it's pretty good. It's not as good as the the Bret Hart beer, obviously. But it's still pretty solid. Oh, it's a 5.0. So okay. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's not bad. Not bad. Nice little sipper. All good. All good. So for me, my beer. Uh, so after this. My schedule got uh, thrown around a little bit, so I'm actually going to pick up my kid after this. So I also had to keep the uh, ABV lower, but instead, but so I'm drinking an absolutely colossal size can of it. But I got this in the Portland airport. It is by Level, and it is called Sweep the Leg. That's right. And on the back of it, it's got the uh, it's got the the Cobra Kai logo on it and everything. So it is Hold a that up there. It is a Japanese style rice lager. Perfect. There we go. Cool, and that will be on my photo or my uh, stories yeah. on Instagram when this video is up. So yeah, so let me let me out. just give a quick mention too. the The rumors you've heard about Portland Airport PDX being the best airport in the country are true. It is by far the best airport in the country. It's not even close. Like they have such cool shit in that airport. They have uh-huh. a they have a great um, airport. Before you even get through security, there's a Powell's, which is you know an airport version of the fantastic bookstore. There, there is a Blue Star Donut, which is one of the two popular donut places in town. There are a bunch of cool places to eat and shop. And then you go through security, and there's even cool shit there. And one of the cool places is called Made in Oregon, exactly what you think. And they have single cans of microbreweries there. And they oh, are shit. they are not that inflated, man. You know, like I I don't think I was paying much more than I would pay at say Trader Joe's for one can. And I didn't even want this beer, man. But I'm in the airport. I'm looking at singles. It's local. When am I going to be back in Portland? You know what I mean. So I grabbed two cans, and that's the first one. I'll see if I can save the second one for next week. 
But uh, but anyway, so yeah, I wanted something a little lighter, and uh, it's delicious. Japanese nice. rice lagers are my new jam. Harland had the amazing one that I've talked about before, and uh, you know, lagers are amazing. So uh, so yeah, sometimes you just got to bring it down and drink something that's smooth and uh, and delicious, and that's what this is. Anyway, nice. let's get back to your second thing. Back to the show. <laughs> Speaking of uh, smooth and delicious things, I finished the thumbnails for Wanders of Melisande three. And I've been working on some pages. So the, the beautiful part about working digitally is you can work on uh, um, multiple pages at once. So I do thumbnails on all, well, it's about eight pages on one sheet of digital paper. So I can hop around from page to page just working on stuff. So in the beginning stages of this process, there's just everything and anything to choose from. So I'm just checking all the pages out and seeing what's super cool to do, what looks easy or what looks interesting. And uh, so I'm having fun with it. And it's, it's really a good time in the creative process for making the books. Hell yeah, man. Is that going to add in? Are you going to be able to throw some things on the, um, the inks and colors portion of our conversation later or are you still you're, you're still Definitely. thumbnailing and sketching right yeah so yeah it's right now it's uh, the thumbnails are done so it's the sketching out portion just filling everything out but okay. yeah i got a lot of stuff for the, the later segment gotcha you have stuff you just don't have stuff you're working on right now that applies to that that's so okay curious curious that's all um, all right, man. So, so we can get into my second thing, which again, I've, I've talked about it enough without actually talking about it, which is I went to Rose City Comic Con last weekend. Um, it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. It was great to be back at a convention. So going in, going in, I, I was talking to my wife, you know, right before the convention started and just talking about my expectations, right? So I had a number that was my, please at least get me to this number number. Right. Because before the convention started, I was thinking, like, who knows how big the attendance is? The attendance is probably going to be anywhere from 60 percent to 80 percent of what it normally is. Who knows what the vibe's going to be like? Who knows X, Y and Z? So I had a number like, please, please, please let me make this number. And then I had another number that really wasn't that much higher where I was like, now, if I make this number, I'll feel good. I'll feel pretty damn good. You know, I'm happy to say that my final number of sales was nearly double what my good number was. Oh, wow. Now, right on. Now, some of that, you know, like, look, I have modest expectations. It was tampered by COVID concerns, but uh, it was great. And listening back to my prediction for last week, I could not be happier to be wrong because I was wrong. I just did the math before we went live here. A little over 60% of my sales were comics, which oh, is, yeah. and, and even more if you count the fact that I sold a couple toys. Um, it would probably push it up towards 70% if you count the toys. So, um, I'm, I love it, you know, like poor, I mean, I even had, I have the numbers from all the shows I've ever done. So I was flipping through the, the previous sales years at Portland. And again, everything pointed to it being a print show. So people were, were showing up and, and buying books and being interested in books and, uh, all in all, you know, yes, the attendance was lower. It was probably between 60 and 80% of what it's been before. But here's what's interesting. The vibe was so wonderful. You know, the word that I kept using all weekend was triumphant. The vibe was triumphant because, um, again, just to recap a little bit, you had to have proof of vaccine or a negative COVID test to get in the show. And, uh, and I, I got the vibe early on that people were, A, happy to be back at a show, right? 
and B, happy to kind of flex that they're vaccinated. You know, like uh, I, I hung out most of the most of the time there. Uh, a good buddy of mine who usually we we share a hotel room because he cosplays and I do my shit in uh, Emerald in Seattle in for Emerald City. He lives in Portland. So I ended up hanging out with him a bunch of dude named Martin. Um, Martin Vavra, who's just a fucking badass. And, uh, you know, I met him through the the kind of Kyle Kaiju cast funnel of people. And now I'm like friends with a bunch of those people, too. But oh, nice. uh, but Martin had this awesome line. He was he was talking about how he went through. Um, he showed his vaccine card and the guy gave him the wristband. He said, I'm so excited to, sh- to show someone this vaccine card. And the guy said, well, you know, be careful with this wristband, because if you lose it, you you might have to uh, you might have to show your card again. And he's like, I might tear this off just to purposely show my my card again. <laughs> I haven't I haven't been this happy to be carded since I turned 21. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was it was great. I mean, there were so many other things that were a part of it, you know, uh, from from an indie. Well, from a from an indie creator perspective, here's what I I observed, which I really hope this carries over to other conventions. Um, you know, when I was doing my first con back in 2013, I had one comic. I had Kadoja number one. So if you walked by my booth and you said, hey, this comic property looks interesting, I would like to read 100% of the material in existence, then you were going to spend $4. You're going to spend $4 <laughs> because I had one comic, you know? Yeah. And we've talked about this before, man. You know, you just keep grinding and you keep making comics. You know, whether whether you're committing to writing a page a day like me, whether you're committed to doing, you know, a, a panel a day, um, which, you know, I think you do. And also Gary has talked about, you know, um, Gary Hodges when, when he was on the podcast about, you know, by the end of the year, if you just do a panel a day, you have like 70 pages, you know, and like that's a lot of fucking pages, man. So um, I think I got that math right. But the important thing is to just keep plugging away because someday and here, you know, here I am at someday. And now those people that walk by my table and they say, wow, I haven't heard of this. This is really interesting. I'll, I'll take the entire story to date. Well, now they're buying three graphic novels. Right. And now that four dollars is a whole lot more than four dollars. And that really allows you to, you know, you make one person buys books, but they buy everything you have. And and the sales are all of a sudden just really great. You know, so. um, So, again, it's just it's about persistence and continuing to create and and make product. Right. So. Yeah, that that's something that I've talked about, like with friends and another maybe even with you is the idea of travel for me has always been tough. Because in the early stages of this, you only have so many books. Like just like you started, uh, I had my first book in 2013. It was one issue, and you know here we are later. Excuse me. You know I have uh, basically two graphic novels worth, and amongst other side books that I've done. So when you, the more product you have, the the easier it is to travel because you feel like, okay, if I have a couple of comics to make the table the airfare, and the hotel back, it's going to be a, a Herculean effort. And, uh, but if you have you know two trades or three trades, you're going to be able to make that back way quicker. You know? And to your point, people, if they like the story, they're going to be uh, buying the entire thing, the whole lot, whatever you have. You got two trades, they're buying two trades. You got three, they're buying three. So instead of making you know, four bucks off a single issue... You're making $60 off of three trades, or if you're cutting a deal, three for 50 or whatever, you know, whatever the deal is, one person walks away spending 50 bucks. That ain't too shabby. 
Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, to, to go a little deeper into what my business model has been all these years, cause you know, I, I've been traveling a lot and, uh, but, but for me, you know, I've never really, I mean, with, with the, uh, uh, exception of a spare show every now and then in general, if I am, I'm choosing my words very carefully here. If I'm paying to fly somewhere and I'm paying to stay somewhere while I'm there, the odds are I am not making all that money back. Right now, if one of if if I have one of those two things change, like I can stay with a friend or I can drive there, well, all of a sudden I'm I am making a profit after it's all said and done. But you know, I mean, this is this is expensive stuff, and we're selling indie books here, you know. So that's always been my business model because my logic has been for all the local shows where I don't do that, I'll build up a coffer and then I will use that to travel to some other cities, get the airfare, get my name out there and make an investment that as long as I keep going back and going back and going back, that eventually it's going to pay off. And um, here's hoping, you know, it's an, it's a knock on wood moment. And it's a knock on wood moment that the enthusiasm continues and that what I saw in Portland is an indication of things to come. But, uh, but we're going to get really close to like making money on every show now, if, if I continue to, to have sales kind of go up like this. So it's an exciting time and uh, there's only more coming, man. You know, again, I, lots of projects, lots of things going on and maybe some, someday in a few episodes, we'll talk about kind of a branding thing on my end, but uh, I'll save that for next week or the week after. I know, man. It sounds good. That's great. I'm glad the convention went really well for you. Um, I definitely want to think about doing it next year as, as, you know, traveling a bit more in general. And, uh, you know, we did the, the Arizona convention the other year and that was super cool. I enjoyed going out of state for the first time. Uh, to do a convention and uh, you know because I'll usually do the locals down here in San Diego and like you know besides San Diego Comic Con there's smaller conventions Uh, I've talked about my home convention which is San Diego Comic Fest where most of the accidental aliens met Um, but I also do excuse me all the the LA ones this Pilsner's getting to me Um, so I do all the LA ones and it's a good amount of conventions just for you know, staying in the same state. So, so it's, it's cool in that sense, but yeah, sometimes you just got to branch out. And now that I'm going to basically have two trade paperbacks worth of work, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's time to go. Yep. Yep. And I, I mean, I would say, you know, you're, you're on the right track. Like the great thing about Phoenix is number one, you're, you're driving there with me. And number two, we're splitting the hotel. So, yeah. you know, that's basically to, to use my math there, that's basically 25% expenditure wise of the expensive conventions where you are paying for airfare for yourself and a hotel room for yourself. Right. right. But, uh, but yeah. anyway, so here splitting a hotel room and driving there way more cost effective and, uh, and, and we'll see what Phoenix holds for us now in May instead of in January. Cause it got pushed back. Yeah. And it's cool to table next to you or with you because we don't have the same clientele. Like you do kaiju books, I do superhero books. So, you know, we're not going to step on each other's toes too much. And it's just like, oh, I could help him out. He can help me out. And, and you know, it's all good. Totally, totally. Um, Tag so team la- back again. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so my last thing is, uh, so last year I did the Drawtober edition that turned into a fully formed comic. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this every year because it was extremely rewarding to finish a single issue in one month. Like, I was just like, holy shit. Like, that was really cool. I'm going to do this every year. So things have been so busy with me lately. Like, I'm in in the middle of a move. There's just so much going on. And birthdays, weddings, and, and, you know, there's a lot of adjustments in my life right now. And so I wasn't sure if I was going to do the Drawtober issue this year. 
I was like, you know what? I, it just doesn't seem like the right time. And I was thinking about it today. And I was trying to get this other book out uh, with the accidental ends. I think I mentioned it on this pod before. And so it's uh, three stories for a single issue. It's called Astounding Adventures. It's our uh, a- accidental alien superhero line, kind of like A Dark Horse Presents. And so I was worried about one of the creators who hasn't given the story in, in, in quite some time. And, uh, you know, we checked in with him and, and didn't respond. And then I ended up hitting him up a week later and he said he didn't see it. And so I was like, oh, okay. He just, he just didn't see it or whatever the case was. And he said, uh, you know, let me do this and, and, and I'm going to bang it out. So when I didn't hear from him, I was just trying to think of ideas. I'm like, well, how can I fix this? Because the cover's already drawn. The artist that I had do the short story that I'm submitting that's going to be in that issue, I didn't actually draw it. I had another artist do it. And I was like, crap, I had him draw that guy's character on the cover. So I was like, I'm going to have to create a character that kind of looks like his character, and which is easy enough. It's just like it's a small kid. And I was like, you know what? I I can think of something, no problem, super easy. Because the, the cover image, it's actually far away. It's not like a close-up of the characters. They're a bit in the distance, but you could get a good idea of what they look like. So I was like, you know what? I can do someone that looks roughly like that. If anything, I can draw a mask or something on that character and, uh, you know, make it my own or whatever, right? So the more I thought about it, the more I loved this character. It was just, it was something cool. I hadn't thought of a new, like, character idea in a while. Like, I'm just so ingrained in Wanderers and Second Shift. It's just like, I don't need to think of a new story. I got plenty of story that I need to draw. It's going to last me, like, the rest of my life or something, you know? And so when I was thinking of this story, I just was getting super excited about it. It was just tickling something new in my creative brain. And what I came up with is, I'm going to draw that character for Drawtober. Because it's something different and something new, it's something fun. I had an idea of what I was going to do for the second shift, the, the second Drawtober edition, but I think I can hold off on that. I could do that next year. It, it's, it's just really not in the forefront of my mind, and this character is. So it's just, you know, some a, a quick panel I could bang out every every day, you know, for the month of October, and I think I'll still have more than enough time to work on Wanderers in the meantime. So I'll actually be working on two books at once. So it's going to be super interesting. And uh, super exciting. Like, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the prospect of this this book. Nice. Great, great adage of writing there, too. And you are writing in this case. Right where the heat is. Right where the heat is. And that is something that Toni Morrison did actually not say. So that's like the first <laughs> thing I've quoted in like three months that, that, that is not Toni Morrison. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway. So, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what you're doing, man. You follow your muse. That's where the action is. So that's where you go. So that sounds really promising, man. I'm excited. Thanks, dude. All right, so what's your last one? Yeah, yeah, let's get it. So this is actually my my creative thing, which is uh, a couple weeks ago, I think maybe two episodes ago, I mentioned that I had this prologue to my novel that uh, that I I pulled from the novel, but uh, I still wanted to turn into something. So at the at Rose City, I did in fact, um, you know, there was enough kind of dead time in the morning. Some mornings, one evening. Well, a couple times on the plane, I was able to just keep my head in my novel and do my novel stuff every day. So once I did that, though, I had a little bit more time and I started to work on the mechanics of actually turning this prologue into into a story. OK, so thing number one was when I when I put the prologue out on its own, I didn't think it was enough of a story 
it wasn't as good as what I remembered. It's like I was like, oh, I could just pull out this prologue and make a story. Yeah, no, 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 no I fucking can't. Right? It, it's <laughs> it's it's lacking something. It works as a prologue. That doesn't mean it works as its own self-contained story. So, you know, I'm going to kind of go through the phases real quick on this. So I I had the prologue, and I was like, this isn't enough. What else is there? And then I remembered that in a third draft time of the novel, which is about uh, 20 months ago, I was going through, and I had this bookend to it. I actually had a revisitation of it very late in the novel where I went back. And so I, I dug that out, and I dropped that into the Word document I was working in. And then first things first, I just edited it. Right. So I wanted to see, let me get a good version of this part first and turn that into a story. So now I've got this part one and the part two of a story. And then I read that and I'm like, you know, it still doesn't pop enough. It doesn't make a good comic. It doesn't have enough of big moments for me to really enjoy turning this into a comic. So then what I did was I ended up cancel, uh, cutting some of the second part. And more importantly, I ended up changing it. So, um, so now, you know, without getting too much into it, there really isn't much to get into it because I'm still working on it. I think I'm about one day of edits away from at least having the story that will serve as the story that I want to do. And then all I'm really going to do after that is I'm going to take this story and I'm going to, you know, it's going to be painful and it's going to be something I do in my spare time. But if I, if I even get 30 minutes a day of it, I'll be done with it sooner rather than later. Um, I will, I'm going to turn it into a comic script. I don't know how long it's going to be. It could be it could be 60 pages and it could be 150. I don't really know yet and I won't know until I re-go through that thing, visualize it and turn it into actually like a comic script with panels and directions. And uh, that should work out well because as as I look out into my pipeline, it's kind of like Three Protectors is done. It's just all about the Kickstarter. After that, I'm just waiting for Kadoja number one, volume four, to come back. Will's going to start working on that soon. He already gave me some notes over the weekend that got me really excited for some things about about that first issue. Um, and then in the meantime, I'm probably going to get back working on animals soon. And then once I finish animals, well, then I'll have this other thing ready to go. So, I mean, I got I got lots of ideas. And to quote Willy Wonka, I guess, so much to do in so little time. Or is it reversed? I can't remember. But anyway, so so anyway, uh, so that's where we are, man. It was it was a lot of progress. You know, I went from kind of convoluted semi mess to something I feel pretty good about from a story perspective. It requires a little bit more thought and a little bit more uh, chipping away. But uh, but again, I think I'm going to have myself a story by the weekend. So that's by the basically by the time this comes out and airs. So uh, I'm really excited for that, man. Nice. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, we have reached the the main event. And uh, this is going to be an event where, dude, I could just I could just go run like a lap. Uh, I'm going to do my best to be part of this. But we are going to talk about <laughs> inking and coloring, which I know absolute dick about. So all, <laughs> here's here's how inking and coloring works for your boy, Keith. I send a script to an artist. I watch sports. It comes back inked and colored. <laughs> the end. So that's pretty much how it works. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm kind of excited to dig into this process with you. So this is going to be your show, and I'm just going to kind of try to play MC and, and maybe throw in some thoughts as we go. So take it away, man. Let's talk about the inking and coloring stage. 
Yeah, sounds like a plan. Uh, honestly, I should have gotten to the inking last week, but we just, I don't know, I wasn't really thinking it through. And uh, Brett fucking uh, Hart was make, was was doing it. That's why. That's right. That's yeah. right. You weren't digging it through uh, because Brett just rocked that world, yeah, son. Yeah, <laughs> he excellently, excellently executed me last <laughs> on last week's episode. But uh, yeah, so the, the inking process really goes hand in hand. I think a lot more artists these days, they're not just penciling and sending the, the pencils off to an inker. Most artists are inking their own work, whether it be traditional or digital. Um, I work digitally, but I do have a quote-unquote pencil phase, and I do have an inking phase. So, uh, the, And those, honestly, those kind of are a little more hand-in-hand -hand than, than they are in the traditional means. So a lot of times, like, my pencils are just rough sketches, and then when I'm drawing on top of those, uh, on a new layer, I'm using basically an ink pen, but I'm still detailing stuff out. I'm trying to figure things out, and a lot of times they just stick, um, you know, as the final links. Uh, sometimes, if I'm still working a little messy, I'll go over one more layer and then just tighten up even more. I can elaborate a little bit just based on the observations from the artists that I've worked with, right? So there are effectively three. In Rory's case, while I I'm not sure there is physical proof of anything he did, but he would do a very conventional penciling and inks. His, his penciling was a bit lighter, right? And I think he would just use a pencil type quote unquote pen um, when it came to, you know, whatever program he was using to draw in. Um, but, but there would definitely be pencils that were what I think of when I look at pencils. And then there would be inks, what I think of when I look at inks, where it's all, you know, kind of done. And, um, and I'm sure, you know, look, so we kind of have a, a, dual, a dual listener problem right now. People who are artists are listening to this part going, yeah, no shit, dumbass, right? <laughs> and people who are writing, like me, are probably thinking, like, it, when, when do the unicorns come in? Because this is just all fairy magic shit to me, you know, to, right. to people who write and don't draw. It's just all fucking fairy magic, you know. So um, but but, you know, I, I think you you do get a, a learning for for a while. Of course, you know, there there are all kinds of like you, you want to learn about the difference between pencils and inks. Go buy an artist edition of something. Right. Because and, and hopefully somebody good, like get Simonson's Thor or get some Jack Kirby shit, you know, right. like learn from the masters because I, I am a sucker for pencils. That's the thing, too. Like Jack Kirby pencils, I think, might be the greatest thing in comics. You know, um, I love Jack Kirby's uh, thought process on that. Like he doesn't ink his own shit. He just doesn't. Yeah. Never did. Uh, well, maybe he did at some point. But uh, in an interview that that i had heard about i didn't read it myself but I, I watch a lot of programs on youtube where they talk about interviews and they go yeah he had a he had a saying that's like i already drew that what i why would i draw that twice <laughs> he doesn't he's just like he's like i'm not fucking with that man he's the fucking um, goat man exactly like yeah um so tools of the trade so you know we are talking about digital um so i'll go over digital first i use an ipad i use the program procreate so if you're a new artist, I highly suggest using Procreate. It's essentially like Photoshop Lite. Um, get that program. I think it's $10. When I bought it, it was $5.99. Um, I got an a iPad Pro a few years back. I think when the second, or second edition got released, one of my friends sold me her first edition, uh, or first generation iPad Pro. And uh, honestly, at that point, I think it was a year and a half old. So it was basically brand new to me. And so I got that uh, Procreate in the infancy of it 
and it's like a huge program now. Tons of artists use it. So I think it's only $10, $15 at most. Very affordable. There's no monthly fee. There's Clip Studio, which is a really great program from what I've heard. I've never used it. I think I've tried to use it once and it was just a little bit above my pay grade. I was like, you know what? I'm into uh, the simplicity of the Procreate because it's very familiar. It's very Photoshop-like. So um, I stuck with that. And I know a lot of professional artists that actually still use it. So if you're looking to just start out or you're just looking to switch to digital, go for the Procreate on the iPad. I've also mentioned that you can get the iPad 7 and that will use the first generation of the iPad Pencil. So if you're a bit on a budget, I think you're going to be walking out out the door 350 for a iPad 7, Generation 7, and, a, and an iPad Pencil. So... That's number one. Oh, and you also want to get a screen protector. So there's screen protectors that you can find that have a bit of a matte finish. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if, when you're switching from traditional to digital, it is a bit frustrating. Because you're like, this is a pencil. This is a stylus. I should be able to do exactly what I do in the real world that I do on this, this, this machine here. And it's true. But there's a bit of a learning curve. Because the, the, the screen basically feels like you're, you're drawing on glass. It's just a different feeling, it's a different texture. So I suggest getting a matte textured screen protector. You could find them on Amazon, eBay, you could probably go into the store and get them. You're probably gonna pay a little bit more if you go into the store, right? So, um, but look for something with a matte finish and that's going to help out a lot. And don't worry, after a couple of weeks, you will get it. It will feel very frustrating for you. You'll feel like you're going insane because you're trying to do something you've done for years and for whatever reason, you can't do it as well. But after a couple of weeks, your brain just figures it out and, and it's a-okay and, and you'll be uh, ready to roll in no time. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's actually that's actually really interesting. Um, but so so that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, just to, to wrap up my point, it's that Rory kind of did a pencil then ink conventional looking thing. Will also does a digital pencil and digital inks that feel very, you know, what I think of when I think of the old analog process. And then Alberto, his penciling stage, to your point, I think he quote unquote inked with pencils, right? Because he, like you, he probably just wanted to never have to run away from the perfect line. So, um, so when I got his pencils, they were, they were like inks and I understood that they were pencils cause they weren't finished, but, uh, but that was kind of how it worked. And also I split out the process between, uh, two people when Alberto was doing pencils, uh, Francesca Fantini then did the ink, the inking stage. So anyway, very, very cool stuff. Um, and with that, I think we want to hand it on over to the coloring process. No, I still got more, man. Um, or, or you have, more. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, and I actually learned that technique from Fiona Staples. So Fiona Staples did an interview and she said that she doesn't even bother with the penciling stage. She just goes straight to inks because it doesn't matter. It's like you can erase these inks. You can't erase inks in real life. Yeah. Um, so when you're inking traditionally, you're, you're going to read a lot of interviews. You're going to hear a lot of artists talk about uh, uh, Croquil. You know, like the, the pens that you dip in actual bottles of ink to, to, to sling your lines. Um, I found out something recently on Instagram that I did not know. And honestly, I've been inking with Microns or Micron-like pens for years, uh, just doing traditional inks. I, I've never gotten to the Crow Quill. I never got the hang of it. It seemed like it seemed like a tool of the past for me because it's like, well, I have these Microns, these pens that have different nibs, nib sizes. 
you can get really skinny ones, you can get really thick ones, so you can you can get a nice line variation just by switching pens. To me, it made more sense to use those pens than trying to learn this this uh, ancient tool that that seemed outdated to me, right? So, but inkers they swear by the crow quill that that's that's their shit. Um, I found out through Instagram that my very first favorite artist of all time, Art Adams, uses microns. Uses micron pens, and he is one of the best artists to ever do it. And so, I never talked about using microns to ink my work. I always felt embarrassed by it. And after seeing that, I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with me?" Like, one of the best to ever do it uses them because he finds that they're easier to control. And uh, you know, and, and and I've heard many masters say over the years, like uh, Jim Lee, he says it doesn't matter the tools. It's not the tools; it's the artist. It's like it's how the person uses the tools. And, um, you know, and I've always taken that to mind, but whatever, for whatever reason, when it came to inking, I was a bit embarrassed by it. So, you know, don't be embarrassed by the tools that you're using out there. And, and, uh, microns are, if they're good enough for our atoms, they're good enough for everybody. I can totally relate to that. Although on a music level, because in, in the funk subgenre that I lived in, there was this big thing about like, how much fucking analog equipment you recorded on. You know what I mean? Like, well, I recorded my album on reel-to-reels and used James Brown's drummer's actual kit and have a vintage analog, you know, Rhodes organ that weighs 400 pounds and and cost $80,000, and that makes my shit better. And it's like, dude, it's about the music, okay? It's not about your fucking equipment. The reason people geek out on people's equipment Nobody geeks out on your equipment if your music sucks, right? And <laughs> and I think that's, you know, like, it, 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 in a way, when people get popular for their music, they almost use it as a way to justify their equipment problem because they love buying, like, vintage equipment and shit to record on it. And it's like, if that's what you like, fantastic. But, like, there's millions of ways to do this. So to your point, yeah, I mean, it, it's however you get it done, you get it done, man. I mean, if you, I don't know. I was gonna say yeah. something stupid, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not sliding any artists that do use the crow quill still. If if you can master that and you're you're proficient with it, more power to you. You're doing something that I couldn't do. Yeah. And it's just for me, it's it's I've always done that where I'm like, what's the workaround? Is there a way to still get it done without having to do the certain thing? And um honestly, like like I've always been able to do it. Like when I was wrestling, I was known as a technical wrestler. Like when I, when I was wrestling, I hated hold the hold. I, I fucking couldn't stand it. I would get out of doing it whenever I could just because I, I was like, Oh, let's just get to the cool shit. You know what I mean? But the perception of me was that I was a technical wrestler. And so I, I feel like that applies with my drawing. It's just like, okay, well, there's certain things that I don't know how to do. I didn't go to school for this. You know, like a lot of artists don't, you know, some artists do. And it's like, you learn over the years as things go on. But when you're doing that, you also find workarounds. It's like, I don't know how to do that. And then so you find a workaround for it. And then maybe one day you do learn how to do it the quote unquote correct way, or you never do. And then guess what? Your life's exactly the same. So yeah, so so finding out that Art Adams uses microns was like one of the biggest reliefs in my life. And I was just like, oh, man, right on. Why why have I cared? Why have I even cared, yeah. right? Why exactly. have I cared? Exactly. exactly. All right, and that's it. Okay, so and that's finally it for the inking. Uh, that little is it for the inking. A little rough start, but I got into it. So for the coloring process, 
The coloring process, I'm along the lines with you. I turn that over to someone and I really don't deal with it, but I've done it enough to know what the process is. So number one, flatting. You always gotta flat your work unless you're hiring someone to do the flatting. Uh, I don't know if your colorist is going to do it. I didn't want to slow my colorist down, so I wanted him to get to the final pieces as fast as possible. So I started flatting the books myself or hiring someone. You can find these forums where there's flatters out there if you don't know how to do it. It's such a simple process, but if you don't have the time to do it or the desire to learn how to do it, you can always pay someone. I think the uh, standard rate for a flatter is $10 a page. So um, if you can afford you know, 220 bucks extra uh, in your process. You can hire someone to flat your 22 page book or whatever the number count is. So I like to penny pinch when I can and I'm able to flat on my iPad Pro and I can do it while I'm watching TV if I'm, uh, you know, not in the process of the book where I don't have any pages to draw and I don't have any pages to letter, I just flat the pages because Honestly, it's easy to do. If the page isn't too involved, then that's that's what I'll do. So that's number one. Um, and then number two is finding a great colorist. You know, if, if that's not your bag, like I've attempted to color over the years, there's a few pieces that I've done that have made it into the book that are my colors. Uh, number one, Second Shift, issue six, The there is a Christmas story. I colored that. Um, I think I colored also the Halloween pages. So I've colored a, a few pages uh, in my day, and uh, honestly, I don't like them. So <laughs> when I do the hardcover, I'm going to have Joaquin go back and redo those pages. But there, there are pieces I'm actually proud of. I talked about this uh, joke, uh, knowing is half the battle thing, uh, on the back of, I believe, Second Shift 8. And I colored that, and I think it still stands up. I'm like, wow, that's like a legit legit coloring job and I did that on the iPad and I'm pretty proud of that and uh, I think even the inside cover there's a picture of Eddie eating some spamasubi and Sarah is is uh, cooking some pancit on the grill or on the on the stove so I colored those and they look they look badass so the more practice you get the better you will get at it there's tons of videos on YouTube to help you learn how to color and that's the stuff that I learned um, where I learned how to flat on YouTube I learned how to do basic coloring on YouTube. So uh, YouTube is your friend, and I think I mentioned it, I did mention it, in fact, on one of the episodes where we're giving people uh, sources to go look for stuff. And one of them was uh, Color with Kurt on YouTube, and he's a great colorist. He makes things very simple, very easy. He talks through the whole process. So nice. check that guy out. Nice. I mean, <clears throat> it's interesting because here's what I'm learning as I'm listening to you. You don't have to do it all, you know? And, and as someone who... Uh, you know, I mean, I, I opened this segment by saying uh, the fucking, you know, I put it in the magic unicorn bin and then shit comes back all done. Right. Like that. Uh, so what I'm learning is that applies at an art level, too, because it turns out that, you know, that's a lot of instruments to play from penciling to completely colored. And you don't have to master all the instruments. So you can master some of the instruments and then pay to outsource the rest. Right. And and something that you know, is going to probably be a bit of a theme. I was planning on talking about this when we get to lettering. It's the time money trade-off, you know, like in, yeah. in your case, right? You like pinching pennies. So in the time money trade-off equation for you, when it comes to flatting, you're like, fuck yeah, man, I'll save this money. I can flat. That's easy. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, and it, and I can absorb it into my life. It's not time that I need to take away from other stuff. It actually dovetails very nicely with time that I spend elsewhere anyway. But this is going to be something that that you know everybody has to make their own individual decisions on the time money trade off, right? Do do you want to spend the time on it or do you want to spend money for someone else to do it? Yeah, and I'll even do the more I'll actually send off the more complicated pages to my flatter. I'll do the basic ones. I was like, that'll take me maybe an hour to do, maybe less. And and because I'm not a wicked fast flatter, but I can be now with the, the iPad is so helpful with that. I remember I used to flat on my 24 uh, inch Cintiq. Great, great piece of machine, but it's like I'm sitting at a desk, I can't move. Uh, with the iPad, I could walk around and you know go lay in the bed or something, lay on the couch, sit on the couch. And, and it's, it's just so much faster. It's like uh, coloring in a coloring book when you're when you're working on an iPad. So yeah, it, it's a you know it as as with any everything you just take it's a case by case. You know this page is insane. I'm not doing this. I'm gonna pay this guy this much money to flat this for me because yeah. uh, time is valuable. Time is worth more than money. Uh, you know you can always make more money, but you can never make more time. So I will gladly pay someone else to do that. And uh, yeah, and, it, and it's also the beginning of the comic book process. Like you were saying, 2013, we had one book. I was thinking about all of the money that it costs to go into putting this book together. It's like, okay, well, I have to pay all of this. So that's, I'm already negative. I'm in the red because I need to make that money back, right? Okay, where can I cut costs? Flatting. Okay, let me go on YouTube and learn how to flat. I did that. So I was able to save that 200, I think my first issue was 24 pages. Like that's $240. You know, not everyone is in a great state financially where they can afford to drop $240, especially if you're going to do a, a print run and that's going to cost you maybe somewhere between 350 and 8, you know, depending how many books you're printing. So it's just like, okay, 350 to 8, then you're looking at 5 to 1050. And, you know, and then, you okay, well, I got to pay the colorist and then I got to pay the letter unless you learn how to letter. And so there's all of these things that you're going to do. It's all going to add up. So that's yeah. that's something to keep in mind. And if you have the ability, if you're an artist, uh, yeah, you, you definitely don't want to have to do everything. But if you can learn to do everything, you, it's it's worthwhile because not only could you be potentially saving money, you you know what the problems are when things things come about, right? You're just like, what's taking this guy so long to do this? If you learn the process, you're like, I know it's taking long. Or you can go, what is taking long? Because I do know the process. This is taking way longer than it should. Yeah. You know, so so that's just something to think about. Um, YouTube is your friend. If there's something you need to know specifically, especially about coloring, because I'm not the guy for you. And uh, uh, like he said, he is not either. So <laughs> to go in depth on, on coloring, I cannot do that for you. Yeah. Um, I know when I do coloring, I basically, it's a three-step process. I, I flat everything out with the middle tones. Whatever color I want people to be, that is a color I flat them as. And then I'll do a shading layer and I'll do a highlight layer. And that's usually about it. That's And then maybe I'll do like a... I'll hit it with like a spray, like kind of like an ambiance color or something to kind of tie it all together. And I might not do that. So that's kind of my basic coloring process that I do. Um, but, you know, there's way more helpful people online uh, for this part of the stage in creating comics. Yeah, yeah. I was. It's funny because as, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, why? Why does coloring seem so alien to me? It's difficult, man. It's because my it's because Kadoja's in black and fucking white, man. 
Oh, yeah. Also that. <laughs> I was just like, wait, why does this seem so weird? You know, but uh, but in fairness, three protectors is color. Um, although we're we're going to kind of change um, change up some shit with the color. But yeah, it was just like, why does this seem so weird? It's because I haven't I haven't really done a color book yet, although uh, animals is in color. But uh, but in that case, like that's a fusion of art that I'm doing and art that other people are doing. So, yeah, coloring art digitally is real fucking easy because you just color it digitally. I'm doing it in Photoshop. Like, that's what I do. So. Uh, so anyway, but uh, OK, well, good stuff, man. I think I think that pretty much does it. But again, just to summarize, outsource if you gotta you know what i mean outsource if the time matters more than the money outsource if you're lacking if if you may be a little deficient in skill i definitely have another thought here but i'm going to save it for what i think next week is which is going to be lettering for sure right so um i will save my thought for lettering and uh and we will get to did we want to talk about anything else man no man i think that that's the gambit or gamut not the gambit that's the gambit that's the uh yeah that's somebody the mutant throwing cards and somebody some, one of us probably uh has been trying to track down gambit's first appearance scott i i own it yeah but it. but come on that doesn't matter you you own but do you own only one or do you own multiple <laughs> right yeah exactly right <laughs> you can always oh, have man. more brother <laughs> that's true it's so true so okay um so on instagram you can find me at keith underscore decibel and that is so that is just Keith doing shit and then Kadoja at Kadoja Kaiju all one word which is all of the Kadoja goodness and you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scott Loss S-E-O-T-T-L-O-S-T and uh, Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost KeithRFoster.com is my website. There is a store for Kadoja. There's some cool uh, basic information on the landing page, and there are blog posts that I haven't updated in a very long time because I've been doing other stuff. But you know what? It's a promise for tomorrow that I'll get to that. So uh, there's always blog posts laying out there in the future ready to be done. So KeithRFoster.com. Kadoja uh, is the prominent book there, and that is H.P. Lovecraft meets Kaiju. And you could find my books, uh, Wanderers of Milsonda and The Second Ship, on accidentalaliens.com. Uh, Wanderers of Milsonda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs vs. Humans, and The Second Ship, A Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night. And uh, those can be, both be found there, along with other accidental alien titles, like the Accidental Alien Anthology. We have 2018 and 19. 2017, unfortunately, is sold out, but there is a digital copy there. That is the first appearance of Wanderers, amongst other uh, accidental alien characters. Uh, there's other titles, like Tales of the Mothership. I actually have a story in that as well. So check out all those books over there. There's some t-shirts and stuff. So uh, yeah, buy our stuff. We don't have a Patreon. We don't ask you for free money. We're not giving you exclusive content. We are giving you this content. This is your free content. We only ask that you buy our comics in return. You get those sweet books. We get that sweet cheddar. And then if you have any questions, comments, concerns about our podcast here, hit us up on makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us over a letter. Let us know how we're doing. And uh, if you have any questions, do it there. And like all of our uh, social media, you can hit us up on those two. People tend to do that. And that's that's pretty cool. Hey, hey and don't be shy about them five-star ratings on Apple, on Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell they call it now. Um, I am a stats junkie, and I look at the stats for this podcast, and it is... Very interesting to see that the more ratings we get, uh, the more visibility the podcast gets. So if you have a couple free moments and want to throw us a review, 
Five stars is great. If you even want to put some great words on top of that, we would love that too. So uh, anyway, I've queued up the music. We are we are grooving to this right now, and I will see you next week, brother. Yeah, yeah. Don't hit stop. Oh, okay. Don't hit stop. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you wanted to talk some uh, sports. We've got to. Yeah, that, that's right. So, so welcome, Ed. Or, <laughs> I don't know. Who the fuck else even <laughs> listens to basketball shit? <laughs> I hope... Death says he listens to it. He doesn't okay. know what the hell's going on, but he still listens. That's to fine. It. That's fine. I mean, we, you know, I hope some of our overseas listeners are just like, I cannot wait for them to talk about basketball. This actually isn't really <laughs> shit about basketball, but I thought it was super, super fun. So, um, all right. So I'm in Portland. As I mentioned on last week's podcast, at the last minute, I changed my plans. Instead of staying with friends, I stayed at a hotel. I found a great rate on an embassy suites downtown. And, uh, so I'm in the embassy suites and, and one of the days I wake up and, uh, and I'm like, shit, man, I really should work out. You know, like I haven't worked out much these couple of weeks. I've been traveling all around, you know, like sometimes you just need that one workout on the road that can set the tone for you getting back into your rhythm at home. And in fact, I worked out tonight and I feel like, yeah, man, it's good to start. It's good to establish my rhythm again. So Keith, why the fuck are you talking about working out? Right? Well, this is why. Because my traditional workout gear is basketball jerseys, and I own about five or six of them. In fact, I own two Ben Simmons jerseys, which, you know, of course you're listening now. You haven't shut it off yet. You know Ben Simmons is pretty much my favorite player in the NBA, and that creates some issues for me, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, but, you know, Ben Simmons is about to get traded, most likely, and because last season with the 76ers ended in a total disaster, and so... I go downstairs and I wear my Ben Simmons jersey to the tiny, tiny workout area. And then after that, I'm like, oh, I still got a little bit of time. Um, I'm going to check out the breakfast. I I didn't know about the Embassy Suites breakfast. Well, son, that breakfast is ridiculous. Like, I thought it was going to be one of them bullshit breakfasts where you get, like, you know, canned peaches and old cereal and shit, you know. But no, no, no. (laughs) This was, like, omelet bar level. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was was a real deal. And I didn't even want that yet. Well, I ended up eating breakfast there because I was like, fuck, look, this is amazing. But I also um, I also got some coffee. So I'm grabbing some coffee. I'm getting some breakfast. I'm in my Ben Simmons jersey. I'm in Portland. Okay. Th- uh-huh. This is this is why this is important. See, Scott already knows. Yeah, Portland. So if you're an NBA fan, if you're an NBA fan, rumblings, you know that the number one rumor is Ben Simmons to the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, and the, the Sixers, I'm not even going to mention the player. It's not important. The, there's a player that the Sixers want, and there's the player that the Sixers are clearly going to get, and they are not the same two players, right? I right. got stopped by three people just walking across the buffet <laughs> about a Ben Simmons jersey. It took me 10 minutes to walk across the buffet, and they all had the same conversation. Like, oh, man, I don't know. You're wearing that in Portland. I hear he's going to get traded to the Blazers. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it was just it was just nothing but that. And like... It reminded me like, oh shit, Portland, Portland takes their basketball seriously, man. You know, like I'm, we're in LA, LA is a Lakers town. It's a basketball town. People talk Lakers here, but the difference is 
there's a million things to do in LA, man. And there's yeah. and there's like eight professional sports teams, right? Portland's got one if you don't yeah, count their soccer team. You know, so it's, it's like going to uh, it's like going to the bay. When yeah. you go to the bay, it's all Warriors. Everything yeah. Warriors. It's just a different different vibe. Like there's it's a unified uh, fan base, you yeah. know, just yeah. for that one team. Except, but even the Bay's got other shit. The Bay has the Oakland A's. The Bay has the Bay has two baseball teams, two football teams. You know, like one basketball team, sure. But like Portland's got one team, son, and that team is the Blazers. And everybody loses their shit over the Blazers. So anyway, I just thought that was wild, and I was nice. like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have wore this Ben Simmons jersey to the goddamn buffet. I just want, <laughs> I just want to eat my damn eggs. <laughs> you know, like I got a, I got a show to get to. I got books to sell. So anyway, that that was my stupid basketball thing. Oh yeah, but let's not forget who else did you see in Hawaii. Oh shit! Oh, you wanted to talk about that? Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll set this up a little bit. Yeah, so we're we're at our timeshare in Waikiki, and the the dude who's the timeshare guy, you know, like he, I don't know, he's giving us like our every two three year update where they you know try to upsell you and all this stuff. But he says, hey, if you don't know, there's some really cool free things to do around the island, and we're like, okay, rock and roll, that sounds good. So he gives us this list, and one of the li- one of the things on the list is. I think the name of the hotel is the Kahala and they have dolphins, right? So mm. while, while you can pay for a dolphin experience, what you can also do is just drive there. You can get out and you can either elect to pay a very high valet parking fee or you can go buy a drink and you can get that parking fee waived because they'll just validate it. So for four hours, it's validated. You can buy a drink or you can buy some food or you can do whatever. And you get to walk around and you get to look at the dolphins. And there's, dude, there are six dolphins in this small area, right? Like, hmm. it's badass, dude. I mean, you know, like, dolphins are fucking cool, man. You know, like, I, I don't know what else to say about that. Maybe I'll make that the title of this episode just to fucking screw with everybody, <laughs> you know? <And> people, <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with comics? But um, but anyway, anyway so we, we, we look at the dolphins for a while. And, of course, I'm there with my wife and two kids, two of the three kids. And, uh, and so then we're like, well, let's get a drink. So we get a drink, and we're sitting out, and it's this nice little small patio. And then there's, like, one hedge of bushes. And then you're looking out at the at the ocean with this beach. And the Kahala Resort is not off Waikiki. It's not part of the touristy thing. In fact, it's a very, very upscale restaurant, uh, a resort. Presidents have stayed there, okay? Like, oh. at, at least three. And when you look at the nightly room rate, you're like, oh, shit. They are definitely milking that presidents have stayed here thing for all it's worth, right? Like, it. Yeah. now, that said, it's awesome. It's quiet. Like, it's it's great. So So we're there. And, um, and we're having our drink, and I'm just kind of, like, looking out at the ocean. I'm enjoying the ocean. And then I see this dude doing, like, workouts in the sand. And then a, a guy is, like, filming his workout. And so immediately I'm like, that's an NBA player. That's just immediately how my brain processes, right? Because it's like, you don't, you don't film your... Okay, a fun thing about the NBA is, in the offseason... Every player will put up at least three or four videos that are carefully curated that show the amount of work they are doing to make themselves better in the offseason, right? To, to mm-hmm. oh, here's, you know, again, to use Ben Simmons, like, here's here's the every, here's the annual thing of Ben Simmons actually shooting jump shots in an Taking empty threes. Gym. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then the season starts and he never shoots. But so uh, I'm, I'm, I, I just immediately look at that dude and I'm like, man, that guy looks a lot like JaVale McGee. 
And uh, and I'm like, but it can't be because you know, like he's shorter. He just has the the, the facial features. Now, uh, quick aside, in case someone who does not listen to the NBA is somehow still listening to this, <laughs> you know, uh, Javale <laughs> McGee is a role player who has carved out a very nice career for himself and has three rings: two with Golden State and one with the Los Angeles Lakers, all as a backup center. Right, so Javale's carved out a nice career for himself, and I've always loved Javale. I loved him ever since summer league. Me too. I, I yeah, I, I found him in his second year in the NBA in summer league, which is when John Wall and Jeremy Lin were rookies. So ah. anyway, so uh, so I'm like, that's I, you know, that looks like Javale McGee, and then it's like, but now he's he's like a normal height. Well, the beach is sloped. So then all of a sudden he walked oh. up next to the trainer, motherfucker came up to his waist. And I was like, that's JaVale <laughs> McGee. You know, like you, you can't hide when you're seven feet tall. So basically right. through a, a series of a very quick, like, what, oh, this guy has a tattoo. Let me just do a quick search for JaVale McGee. Same tattoo. Yep. I'm like, that's JaVale McGee. Then, uh, then it just so happened that his personal trainer comes behind us, gets some water. Of course, he's just, just sweating profusely. I'm like, hey, man, quick, quick thing. I'm a huge NBA fan. That's JaVale McGee, right? He's like, yeah, 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 that's JaVale McGee. I'm like, okay, good. Nice. So anyway, fucking weird-ass <laughs> surreal thing that, like, I'm, I'm there to enjoy Dolphins, and all of a sudden I catch an NBA player, like, filming an off-season <laughs> Instagram. You, you get a white whale. You're looking for Dolphins, you get a white whale. Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. So, uh, the, uh, both players, by the way, going back, I, if I was uh, the Sixers, I wouldn't be too mad at either one of those trades. I know Ben Simmons is your favorite player, but I think C.J. McCollum and Dame both fit very well with Embiid. I think both would work very nicely. Both are great on the perimeter, and uh, uh, so they won't interfere with JaVale's, or not, I assume JaVale, uh, Embiid's game too much. So yeah. I, I think either way you're good. Obviously, you want Dame Dollar, but uh, who knows Who knows how it's playing now. It's just sad, man. It's like it's like the marriage is over, huh, Ben Simmons? <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I guess... That's how I felt like with Kuz, man. Yeah. Like, I love Kuz. I'm like one of the few Laker fans that were riding and dying with Kuz. It's like, come on, he's a homegrown. Like, he, he got to train under Kobe for a year. You know, that's super cool. And now he's with LeBron, so maybe he'll just keep learning. And it just didn't pan out, you know? And I as sad it. as it was to, to see and to know, I was like, he's gone. He's gone, yeah. and, and there's and that's I'm I'm at peace with it because it's what yeah. has to happen. Uh, same thing. I'm at peace with it. Yet I feel like whenever I walk out in a Ben in public in a Ben Simmons jersey, it's like I'm just I'm getting rained on. I'm getting rained on, and some sad piano music is playing because it's over. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so anyway, did those see? Uh, did uh, by the way, did those people seem good with the trade? Were they excited about? Oh, ben they Simmons? were thrilled, dude. They were like, yeah, let's get okay. Ben Simmons. Yeah, Portland sucks. So my m- yeah. So my my take is they're obviously assuming it's CJ. That's they're assuming it's CJ. Well, oh okay. my god, it's, I it's forgot CJ. to mention. I forgot to mention one guy. I was like, <laughs> I said because the first guy was like, whatever. I was like, yeah. I mean, the Sixers are hoping to get Dame, but they're probably going to get CJ. And the guy was like, yeah, man, you're probably right. You know, like that kind of thing. And then the <laughs> second person, I said, uh, I said, yeah, the Sixers are hoping. I was trying to say the sentence. They're hoping they're going to get Dame, but they'll probably get CJ. And I said, they're hoping they're going to get Dame. He's like, they're never going to get Dame. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even let you finish. Don't you dare take my baby. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was, it was like, okay. <laughs> wow. I wonder how they feel about CJ. Like, cause I, I know they he's hate a good him. player. He's I... their Ben Simmons. He's their Ben Simmons. Really? Man. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, man. Okay. He doesn't, he don't play no damn defense. That's, that's the thing. Mm, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So one sided player. He's just the other side. That's fine. All we got's the other side on Philly. We just got a bunch of defensive yeah. dudes and Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. So yeah, true. 
Anyway, well, that was enjoyable. So that was our once every three month uh, basketball discussion. So yeah, it was good, and we'll be getting into it in a. a it's it's going to be a, how many how many more months? Three, three two, be, two. Because it used to start in October, right? Yeah. It, yeah, I think it still starts in October. Is it, oh, is it? Okay, is it back to normal schedule? Yeah, or, or semi-normal. Oh, okay. I think it's semi-normal, but actually, let's do a quick thing. Um, I got some indie books that I want to talk about, so uh, I think we should we should get that in the pipeline, maybe. You got a couple books you want to recommend in one of the coming weeks? I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. I, I can uh, come up with a few. Oh, there's one for sure. I don't know if I've mentioned it, so I'll, I'll save that. I'll, I'll run it by you off the air and yeah, see if it's fine. something I've talked about on the air. Yeah, well, these are going to be ones that I actually picked up from people at Portland. So I know, like, we're going. Right on. I mean, I, I have I have some sins to atone for because I did some uh, some some big boy books uh, in some of our last recommendations. So it's time to it's time to get down in 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 with our indie brethren and recommend some great indie books. Right on. Yeah, that's All it. right, man. This, this is a real ending yeah. party, people. This is the real ending. Yeah, yeah.